the the brain is really is a fascinating machine, and that's really all it is. And the unfortunate thing is, we're not taught how to use it, right? I always say to my students, you know, the three biggest problems that we have as human beings are relationships, money, and health, and not one of those are taught in school or how to use the brain to operate to produce those kind of results that we want. So it's not just necessarily the outside world that we're reacting to; we're responding to our past. That we believe is present in the moment when we're experiencing the outside events. So as we think, and even said this in the Bible, so shall we become. Well, the same thing in the physical world. As we think, we produce results. Now, again, if most people are thinking what they don't want. Oh, I had that bad relationship in the past. Oh, I lost money in that last deal. Oh, I'm so unhealthy all the time. If you're focusing on that continuously, the subconscious mind, which runs 90% of who we are, 90% of what we do and who we become, is run by the unconscious mind. We're not aware of it. Like I'll give your listeners an example. Right now, whether you're sitting or standing. Can you feel your feet inside your shoes or the the ground underneath your feet? Now you can, as I said that you weren't aware of it a second ago. Or if you're wearing glasses, can you feel the glasses on your head? Considering all this, because I know it to be true. I mean, that's the very idea behind、uh, CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy. Where having experienced something, you can change the way it impacts you just by changing your outlook on that experience. And we already discussed that. Right. right, right, right. You and I could be watching the same movie, and then afterwards, somebody could interview us, and we have two different stories about that what that movie was about. You heard something different. I saw something different. How could that be if we watched the same movie? Because we're interpreting it through our memory and our past and our attitude and our values, and then what in NLP we call that a representational system. We take the outside environment, we, we delete, distort, and generalize that information, and we make an, what we call an IR, an internal representation, and that representation then changes our state of mind. Right? We're we're doing, we're producing results every minute of the day. Now, whether you like those results. Is irrelevant because you don't understand you're producing negative results until the result is over, and you look back a moment and go, "Oh, why did I do that?"、Yeah. Right? Or as an entrepreneur, and and I, I I run a couple different businesses, I understand that you can't know what you don't know in advance until you do it, until you perform it, and so you look back and hopefully, as one of the things that Napoleon Hill says in the book. Is that great entrepreneurs, great businessmen, because that's who he interviewed, can look back on those mistakes, as you call them, or failures, and learn from them. Could that then be the situation here, where it's not just our experiences that defines our success or our outcome? It's really our thoughts. Yes. Yes. Is, is there a question in there? <laughs> or is that just more rhetorical to me? <laughs> Help us help you. If you're excited about today's episode, then hit the like and subscribe button.
to help us grow. The more of this episode you watch, you comment, you hit like, and you subscribe, the bigger the channel grows. The bigger the channel grows, the bigger the guests get. The bigger the guests get, the more value you'll be able to get from every episode. So help us help you by hitting like and subscribing and sharing this episode with your friends and family. Thank you. Let's get to the episode. Hey guys, welcome to the Boardroom Podcast. Today we have a wonderful guest with us, Dr. John James. How do I pronounce your last name? Santangelo. San. Oh wow, I butchered that. So sorry. Santangelo. <laughs> Is it Spanish? Italian. Italian. Yeah. No wonder because... I've done a little bit of Spanish, but I was just going to get the hang of it. And Angelo, yeah, that <laughs> makes sense. Totally it's Angelo. Angelo. <laughs> You've been to Italy, have you? Uh, no, I haven't. Uh, unfortunately, my wife keeps going, we got to go, we got to go. My, and my grandfather was born in Italy, came here when he was like 10 years old. Really? You should definitely visit. They have some really nice places. I mean, Florence, yeah. Milan, Torino, yeah. Rome. Oh. Yeah, yeah. So it's a it's a trip for the future. Yes. I am. Um, I'm quite excited to have this conversation with you. Just to sit with you for a moment and yeah. talk with you about your career, your experiences, especially with NLP, that's natural language programming, if I recall correctly. Neuro neuro linguistic programming. You know what natural language is? Yes, I believe that has to do with computer science. Yes. <laughs> so you see we're on a we learning journey <laughs> yeah and that's the thing though because i'm originally from an NL, from a computer science background because right. i studied actual science but i was mainly in computer science at the time and then marketing right. so wow wow so all right yeah so when you when you look up nlp mm -hmm. on in the internet wherever <laughs> two things come up neuro-linguistic mm -hmm. programming and natural language process right which is computer-based science which is interesting because neuro-linguistic programming came from one of the gentlemen that co-founded was a, a math genius and a language and language professor and so they incorporated a lot of computer science especially into the lingo of NLP oh. could we say that then NLP well <laughs> I don't think we can say just NLP going forward, right? So, <laughs> neurolinguistic pro, um, yep. programming, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's could we say that it's gotten to where it is because of the approach of computer science being used in helping to develop its framework and its findings and so on. What is the history of it, really? That's a great question, and yes, the answer is true. It's the background was developed from, a, uh, he was a computer student at the University of Santa Cruz in California. And he was studying mm -hmm. computer science. And he was working with a couple of therapists. And he understood that change in patients was basically formulated from a science background, meaning he made the correlation between how computers operated and how the brain worked. Mm -hmm. And developing neuro-linguistic programming, they used a lot of the lingo that was based in computer science because the brain operates in the same way, right? Software, 
hardware. And when they discovered that if they could change the software of the brain or the mind, then the hardware would change, meaning our output, our results, our outcome. Is this a little bit um, similar to behavioral therapy? It's where CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, came from the origins of neuro-linguistic programming. So, yes. Interesting. And what would be some of the real-world applications, or not necessarily real-world applications, but what can we look at in our day-to-day lives and point to NLP in the sense of, we'll call it neurobiology, or just neurology? Which one would you prefer? It's all the same, really. The biology of the mind. You know, there's a gentleman, Mm -hmm. Bruce Lipton, wrote um, the biology of beliefs, meaning as mm-hmm. the body changes, our beliefs change, and our, as our beliefs change, what was more important is, to answer your question, as our beliefs change, the body literally changes. And they've done studies where they've taken schizophrenics, and as they mm-hmm. morph into a new personality, their physiology literally would change, their eye color would change. If one personality had diabetes, the other personality mm-hmm. didn't. And so, the, the brain is really is a fascinating machine, and that's really all it is. And the unfortunate thing is we're not taught how to use it, right? I always say to my students, you know, the three biggest problems that we have as human beings are relationships, money, and health. And not one of those are taught in school or how to use the brain to operate to produce those kind of results that we want. So... When these two gentlemen, Dr. Richard Bandler and Professor John Grinder, started developing neuro-linguistic programming, they understood the process of change. And that's really all it is. We're, we're changing every day as human beings. We form new beliefs. We eliminate old beliefs. We take on beliefs that aren't suited for us. We take on beliefs that are well-suited for us. The, the challenge is how, when we want to, How do we change those beliefs? How do we change those negative programs, right? And that's the question you're asking me. How effective or what could we utilize NLP for? Well, the challenge is when we realize that we have a problem, no different than a computer, when you get, you're typing on your computer and a window comes up and says, oh, you've got to update your computer. How do you do that? Right? Well, the computer has built-in software to do that already. You hit a button, it says update, you hit click yes, allow, and the computer software updates itself. Well, we don't have that ability. The challenge is what we keep doing is we keep running that same software over and over again, which produces the same old results. As Einstein said, the definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. Well, that's what we keep doing as human beings. We keep running the same program over and over again, expecting something else to happen. And how could it, right? You're still running that same old software on your your hard drive and nothing is changing. Well, these gentlemen understood that the simplicity of the brain is really the, the best model of success. And if we could tap into the simplicity of it and understand how it works and how we do what we do every day, how we do our world, because everybody has their own map of their world. If I could understand your map, then I could help you reprogram it. There's different scenarios. I mean, um, a lot of people are using NLP for sales now. 
obviously, because it's it's understanding the psychology of what people do and what people don't do. Eliminate phobias, right? Um, uh, you call it past life regression, taking people back and understanding that whether or not you believe that we have past lives, if that individual believes we have past lives, then it's real to them. So that belief then becomes real in the biology of the body. And then it manifests in itself outside. There are other <laughs> things going through my mind. Yeah. So many things. I'm going to float some of them to you. So I read recently yeah. that I was reading Napoleon Hill's um, Think and Grow Rich. Love that book. And in, yeah. you love that book. Perfect. I read it when I was 14. It, it, it started my quest when I was 14 years old. Mm-hmm. You know, the thing that's interesting about that book, as you say, you love that book. It says that you don't work hard and grow rich. You think and grow rich. Right. And there are logical steps, step-by-step um, actions that you have to take outlined in that book to becoming wealthy. One of the steps is that you have to visualize having yep. the money that you want and not just visualize because I'm going to come out of thin air, but you're going to have to say to yourself that this is what I'm going to do to get this money by such and such a time. And this is what I'm going to give up. And the other part of it that's also interesting as it pertains to NLP and our conversation here is that it it doesn't only postulate, but it continues to remind us that in order to be successful, we have to have a certain mindset. The question now becomes, and I have to put it to you, can we then say that we are indeed the products of our thoughts and our beliefs, not necessarily our experiences? Reason being, and I ramble on a bit, is because you and I can be here. So like at the start of the episode, I said that NLP was natural language programming and you're like neurolinguistic. And in that moment, I could have processed that in two ways. I could have said, oh my God, I watched the episode. I did so terrible. Or what I could have said is that there are a lot of viewers and listeners who would have had the same idea of NLP. Now that I've put it forward like that and you've corrected me, not only I have been corrected, but we all stand corrected. In that approach, I am now heading towards a successful episode. Could that then be the situation here where it's not just our experiences that defines our success or our outcome, it's really our thoughts? Yes. Yes. Is, is there a question in there? <laughs> 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 or is that just more rhetorical to me? <laughs> it summarizes a bit of what you were, what you've said, because it's yeah. really just a bit of what you said, but it also... It was on my mind as something that became glaringly apparent that I wanted to ensure that was put out there. How then can we approach success from a step-by-step framework, mind you, in any field? Right. That's a good question. Well, what, what I like to do is, and what my quest was, and maybe the same as yours reading that book, is really understanding the the philosophy, and he called it the philosophy of success. Um Andrew Carnegie at that time, in I think it was 1902, 1904, had commissioned Napoleon Hill to write the book and said, I'm going to give you 500 different leaders around the world that I'd like you to interview for a philosophy of success, which really hadn't been written at the time. And when Napoleon Hill came out, I think with 12 different steps. And the first one is, a, a desire, a, he called it a burning desire, a burning white heat of, as you call it, vision. 
because the brain, again, is a real simple computer. Whatever we focus on, whatever we put in front of the screen of the mind, 51% of the time or more, the brain will activate and move in that direction. It's real simple. The unfortunate thing is most people, again, as I was saying before, don't truly understand the power of thinking or thought. And we choose, and this is where I get a lot of flack, pushback, is we choose those thoughts. Yes. Thoughts don't just pop into our head. We manifest them. That's another word that computer science doesn't like manifesting, but you can just call it thinking. So as we think, and even said this in the Bible, so shall we become. Well, the same thing in the physical world. As we think, we produce results. Now, again, if most people are thinking what they don't want, <laughs> oh, I had that bad relationship in the past. Oh, I lost money in that last deal. Oh, I'm so unhealthy all the time. If you're focusing on that continuously, the subconscious mind, which runs 90% of who we are, 90% of what we do and who we become is run by the unconscious mind. We're not aware of it. Like I'll give your listeners an example. Right now, whether you're sitting or standing, can you feel your feet inside your shoes or the, the ground underneath your feet? Now you can, as I said that, you weren't aware of it a second ago. Or if you're wearing glasses, can you feel the glasses on your head? Or if you're wearing any clothing, can you feel the clothing on your, or the taste in your mouth or the smell in the room, or look at the different gradients of light that are coming into your eyes. You weren't aware of that until I brought it up. True. True. The unconscious mind is processing all this information every nanosecond. And it's taking all this information in and it's deleting, it's distorting, and it's generalizing all this information to make meaning of it so then we can behave and that's where our behavior comes from it does it does as you said before part of it does come from the environment but once it hits our eyes and our five senses we have to make meaning of all that environment stimuli right you and i could be watching the same movie and then afterwards somebody could interview us and we have two different stories about that what that movie was about you heard something different i saw something different how could that be if we watched the same movie yes because we're interpreting it through our memory and our past and our attitude and our values and then what in nlp we call that a representational system we take the outside environment we we delete distort and generalize that information and we make an what we call an ir an internal representation and that representation then changes our state of mind and that state of mind then causes us to act. I'll give you guys an example. And, and Jabez, answer this question when I ask you this. And I'm also asking your listeners. Okay. I'm going to say a word and I want you to, I want you to just spout out the first thing that comes to mind when I use this word. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh -huh. Ready? Dog. Ready. Cat. What's the word? Cat. Cat. Okay. I <laughs> I had a woman the other day say, disgusting. Ah. <laughs> that tells how she feels about dogs, doesn't she? Doesn't it? Exactly. So what happens is that information's coming in before she hears the word dog. There's no meaning. 
She hears the word dog. She makes meaning of it. It changes her state of mind and her body. And then she acts. And you should have saw her face. She went, oh, disgusting. Ah. Right? So this is what we're doing. No, she didn't. She didn't. And then I said to her, this is really strange. Now, let me give you another word, (laughs) a, a more complex word to make meaning of. You ready? Ready. Love. Hate. Hate? Hate. Okay. That's an interesting word, right? So I, I don't want to get into where that came from. No, no, that's okay because, you know, especially with, with the way the world's going on right now, I understand. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> so that word, that word then changes mm-hmm. how you feel, right? So let me give you a definition of that. If you were in a relationship yesterday and somebody broke up with you, you would have a different interpretation of that word love versus if you just got into a relationship yesterday and you were in love. True. When, True. I, when I said the word love to you, you'd have, oh, oh, warm and fuzzy, right? If I said to you love and you had just been broken up, you had, oh, disgusting, right? Two different state of mind. And therefore we act, we perform, we behave from those states of mind. So it's not just necessarily the outside world that we're reacting to, we're responding to our past that we believe is present in the moment when we're experiencing the outside events. So all this is happening every nanosecond. Even right now, as you're sitting here watching me, watching your computer screen, watching your room, You're taking all this information in, you're distilling out what's important and what's not, and you're making meaning of it, and you're responding to your internal and external environment. And that's how the brain works. It's it's actually really simple when you think about it, just like a computer. The computer is a machine that does nothing until we punch it into the keyboard or speak into the computer as voice recognition. The software takes it in, it makes meaning of it, and then spits something out on the screen. It's exactly the way the brain works. Considering all this, because I know it to be true, I mean, that's the very idea behind uh, CBT, Cognitive Behavioral Therapy, where having experienced something, you can change the way it impacts you just by changing your outlook on that experience. And we already discussed that at the start of the episode. Right. I remember... I believe it is Stephen Covey's book, The Habits of Highly, Seven Habits of Highly Successful People. Mm-hmm. And in that yeah. book, he mentioned that when you have an experience, if you have a framework to approach that problem, so for example, you might have had the business go under for some reason or the other. And if you think of it in a perspective of, all right, this is also necessary on the path to being successful, then your business going under financially becomes not an obstacle, but an, an opportunity for you to grow and evolve and improve from that perspective because it's it's welcomed. How then can we, right. as not only entrepreneurs, because this cannot be limited to the sphere of entrepreneurship. It's just daily life and being right. human. How can we then as humans learn how to take control of how we process the things that we experience in a way that benefits 
and not puts us at a disadvantage? That's perhaps the most important question I can come up with at this stage. That, 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 is, that is life's question. That's, that's the question of life, right? That is the most important question because we are not just human beings, but we're human doings, right? We're, we're doing, we're producing results every minute of the day. Now, whether you like those results is irrelevant because you don't understand you're producing negative results until the result is over. And you look back a moment and go, oh, why did I do that? Uh. Right. Or as an entrepreneur, and, and I, I, I run a couple different businesses, I understand that you can't know what you don't know in advance until you do it, until you perform it. Do it. And so you look back and hopefully as one of the things that Napoleon Hill says in the book is that great entrepreneurs, great businessmen, because that's who he interviewed, can look back on those mistakes, as you call them, or failures and learn from them. And that's the real key in being a successful human being is learning what works and what doesn't, right? We're producing results every day. Now the challenge is, here's the answer to your question. The challenge is how do we do that? Because that's what I'm really concerned about in, in my study is not just why we do things because the why sometimes is irrelevant. The why gives us a motivation but also the why gives us reasons and excuses why we don't do something. And that's what I say to a lot of my clients is, the reason you're not getting something is because you're making an excuse for it rather than finding out how to do it. And so the question is, do you, are you familiar with Tony Robbins? Yes, familiar with Tony Robbins, yes. So, so I studied with the same people that actually trained Tony in neuro-linguistic programming. And one of the things that they had found out that, and one of the things Tony says as well, is the quality of our life, and he makes, he punches that word up, quality, the quality of our life is determined simply by the decisions that we make. Wouldn't you agree? I would agree with that 100%. And that's really all life is, making one decision after another. And that shapes your future. It shapes your destiny. The challenge with that is most people don't understand that and they're making bad decisions moment to moment. Mm -hmm. And they're not really making quality decisions that shape the quality of their life. And so mm -hmm. most of us are on autopilot. Yes. It's kind of like the new car, the new electric vehicles come out. There's a little button that it's says fine. auto drive, right? And the, the yeah. car drives itself. Well, we haven't really got that down. Some, sometimes the car crashes, kind of like us as human beings. We're, we're running on all of autopilot most of the time. We're not really thinking from moment to moment, making quality decisions. And we run into things. We run into problems. So the challenge here really is, how do you make quality decisions? Because that's really the, the question you're asking me. How do you make quality decisions? Because if you can make quality decisions, the quality of your life will show up completely different. And the answer to that question, how do I make quality decisions, is the title of the new book I'm writing. <laughs> yes. A little plug. It's called Control Your Emotions, Control, mm -hmm. Control Your Emotions, Master Your Life. 
So let me ask you a question. I love asking questions. Beautiful. If you're if you're in a real negative, yucky state of mind, are you going to make a powerful decision? No. Even if you think you are, you won't. No. If you're in a real confident, motivated state of mind, are you going to make a more powerful decision? I would argue that you're going to make a more confident decision, which oftentimes is the best decision. Exactly, and and that is that's the conundrum in this, is that most people don't understand the state of mind that they're in, the quality of the state of mind that they're in affects their decision making process. That's why they say, the old cliche is never make a major decision when you're in a negative state, or when you're happy, aka prenups. Well, I mean. And, and quality is all relative too, right? Because it depends on what you believe or your listeners believe quality is, right? I mean, quality could be, I'm just, I'm, I'm relaxed. I'm just happy, right? You know, quality to me is, is being confident in the things that I'm doing right in this moment, not yesterday or a moment ago or 10 minutes from now, but in this moment. Because I believe, one of my beliefs is when I'm in a real confident powerful state and I'm assured of myself, I'm going to make better quality decisions. And those quality decisions, one after another, just like a, a, a stepping stone is going to lead me in a, in a more quality direction of life. So then the question of then we, as we un, unfold this onion, because it's, a, it's the onion, is layers then layers. how do we make, right? That's exactly what it is. Then how do we unfold or unpack the ability to control our emotions. Because once you learn how to control your emotions, life is amazing. When you let your emotions take control of you, life is all over the place. And there's no because direction. You have no control over what's and that's happening. One, none, none whatsoever. And that's one of the things that Napoleon Hill marked out in his book is that the ability to focus and the ability to make great decisions, knowing what you want, that burning desire, will lead you in the direction that you want to go. So do you want to know the secret to controlling your emotions? I do, but I want to put an idea to you first. Yes. And then you please. tell me what you think. You've mentioned the quality of life being impacted by our decisions. Dr. Jordan Peterson, in his book, 12 Rules for Life outlines in Rule 6, I believe, that you should chase what's meaningful, not what's expedient. And he postulates and very clearly shows that whenever you're making a decision, you should make a decision in lieu or in thought of what is going to be best for you in the long run. So you feel sore and you don't want to go to the gym. Well, having a healthy body requires physical exercise. So instead of staying home, you're going to go to the gym. It's meaningful. It's not what makes you happy. Being expedient would be staying home, eating chips, and sleeping in. In his book, The 48 Laws of Power, Robert Greene says that we should begin with the end in mind. And here's what I'm going to connect the two ideas. Begin with the end in mind means that you shouldn't go beyond your limits, but you should also not act in a way that defers or deteriorates you your progress in in search of your ultimate goal. And you can look at Napoleon Bonaparte, another Napoleon, mind you, 
in his quest for making France a supreme power. It was actually for peace that he wanted it. So after he got peace and he was and France was a ruling power, there are a lot of wars that he didn't enter into willingly. And people said he was old and he lost his edge. That wasn't the case. The idea that I have, which is I want your um feedback on it, because it's just an idea, it might be wrong, it might be right. Could we then think that or even act on the idea idea that if we have a very clear image of who we want to be, so we have a clear image of who we want to be in the end at a certain age and every decision we make is with the idea that this decision either gets me closer or farther to or from the person I want to be, does that then help us make better decisions and by extension live a more quality life? As they would put it, is that something that we could look at? Huh, good question. I've never heard that put that way before, so let me postulate that for a second. So if, okay, let me back up one step. Here's my definition of success. And I've been asking this question for 25 years. Mm -hmm. What is, what is success? Right. And and I understand you're very well versed and you're very well read. We're looking for that answer. What is success? Because it's different for everyone, right? Success could be, I just want a loving, healthy family. That's success to a, a single person, like a man, let's use a man that's not married. Success to him, maybe I want to build a huge business, a very successful business. That's success for him. Are you sure? Another that? person may, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> but I can tell you are. So. <laughs> um, success to somebody else might be, I just want a very healthy body where I live a long life. So that definition of success is relative to every single person. Although understanding that there's just one pathway to get there. There's only one way to get what you want. And here it is. It's only two things. Like you, I have taken all this information I've learned and I've distilled it down to two simple things. One is, as we were talking about before, knowing what you want. You have to have a real clear vision of what you want. Every entrepreneur I've worked with, I've talked to, every book I've read, every single one of them said, I knew exactly what I wanted. And the second piece of that puzzle, which is a challenge in itself, probably more challenging than number one, is learning to get out of your own way. We are we are our own worst enemy. Yes, thank you. A lot of a lot of people a lot of people self-sabotage themselves. Yes. They know what they want. They know what they mm-hmm. want and they move towards it. And then for whatever reason, again, we go back to these negative beliefs and these negative emotions show up when we're making decisions along the way and we sabotage our own success. Yes. And it's one of the things Tony Robbins says is a lot of people have this fear of failure. And so a lot of people, what they do is they want the success and as they move towards it, they understand that there's a lot of risk involved. And as we move towards that risk, a lot of negative emotions show up and we're, our internal dialogue is saying to ourselves, well, if I keep going, I'm going to fail. If I keep doing this, I'm going to, I'm going to ruin my success. If I keep doing this, I'm never going to get what I want. Well, that's, that's just the past talking. That's not in the moment because you don't know what's going to happen. The future is uncertain. 
And so we set, we self-sabotage ourselves. So again, coming back to this, knowing what you want and getting out of your own way. Now, as you know, reading all these books and you can read as many books as you want. Unfortunately, it doesn't help you learn to define what you want. That's something that you really have to understand about who you are and what's best for you, as you were just saying. Yes. That's a challenge in itself. It took me 10 years to figure out what I wanted to do. I kept asking myself over and over again, what would I want to do if I could do anything in the world? If I could, if I could create anything, what would I want to do? And, and setting money aside, if I, you know, even if I was poor, what would I want to do for the rest of my life? And eventually it came out, I understood for myself, for me, I like to entertain and I like to teach. Oh, and so then the that. question was, what could I do? What could I do with those two characteristics? Mm-hmm. Right? So if your listeners are really grasping this and they're like, oh yeah, I like to do this and I like to do that, but what could I do with those two traits? Well, that's the, that's the next discovery phase, right? Okay, so yeah. for me, I came across public speaking. I said, "Well, I could, I could, I could teach, and I I could also entertain and have fun with my students and and the class or the audience, whoever I was speaking to." And so then it developed into a little bit more complexities, and I got my degrees and certifications in different therapies and counseling and coaching, and and you know to get to the point. Of as you were saying, along the path is there is a lot of sacrifice. There is things that I've sacrificed: time, people, relationships in my life, to get to where I want to go. Money, <laughs> giving up a lot of money to fund my education. So, knowing what you want and getting out of your own way. Once you know what you want, you have to understand, as you were saying before, your limitations, because we can change our limitations. We can go beyond our limitations. If you look at any great athlete, let's take Michael Jordan for example. He wasn't even picked for his high school basketball team. Yes, that's true. He turned out to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time because he knew I have limitation, and he worked past it. In fact, I'll give you a story that was said by him. He said before every basketball game, and this is what one of the things that we were just talking about is desire. Visualization. Michael said, "Before every game, I would sit by myself for 45 minutes in in almost meditation, in a visualization process, and watch the game unfold in my mind from beginning to end. Every shot I take, every layup, every steal, every run down the court, I would see it in my mind before I wanted it to happen." And he says that I believe was the true success of my ability, because then I just conditioned my body to follow along with what my mind already knew. Yes. And that's the secret. And that's the secret. In Bruce Lipton's book, The Biology of Beliefs, he talks about this as visualizing it so your body understands it, because once you see it in your mind, the body will recreate it. If you've never played basketball before, ever, you've never even seen a basketball game. And somebody put you on a court and handed you this big round ball and said, "Go!" <laughs> and there's, you know, 16 other players or is it 18 other players on the court? You wouldn't have an idea what to do. But if you understand the rules, the logistics, and you visualize what you're going to do in advance, 
the body will follow through. It's kind of the same thing. The question you were just asking me is, how do we get there, right? How do we get to success? Well, if you don't know what you're doing and you don't know the rules, and you don't know what that that ball is for, you're never going to succeed. So it's the power of visualization, of understanding the power of the mind is so amazing. And we're so, we so lack in the ability to truly understand its, its true essence of what it is. It's just, un, it's mind boggling to me that people can do some amazing things. Great artists, great sculptors, great athletes, great business people. All of those are created from thought. Yes. And we're not, we're not versed in how to use it properly. We're not versed in how to use the computer of the mind. In fact, that's what NLP was coined of is the, the, the software of the mind. We're using the software of the mind, neuro-linguistic program. Neuro meaning the mind body, L for language, as you were saying, linguistics and how we talk to ourselves and other people, and the P for programming. The programs and strategies. Yes, the recipes, like I call them mind recipes of success, whatever that is to get you to where you want to go. Yes. Beautifully broken down, excellently <laughs> dictated and um, orated, actually. I am having a time of my life because for the first time on the Boardroom Podcast, from a neurological perspective, we are breaking down the steps, not only for success, but for anything in life, meaningful life, as I'd like to put it, quality life, as you've put it. You mentioned that you wrote a new book. Is it finished? Is it still being written? No. Still being written. Still being written. Do you care to give us a bit of information about your book in terms of why you've started writing it and what we can expect to have in this book? And most importantly, when and where? can we get this book? Because when you mentioned the book, you saw me jump for joy because I'm saying, all right, oh, this is something I have to read. So please tell us a bit more if you would so oblige. Well, I've written, I've written eight books now and oh, wow. I've just finished the last one, which took me four years to write, which is on this topic, NLP. So if your students, your listeners, any podcasters would love to go and get a partial chapter of the book, you could go to discoveringnlp.com and it'll take you to Amazon and you can look at a sample of the book. You could read, uh, there's an audio version of it as well. I did an audio version. You can listen to samples of it on there. The new book, because I did because I did a lot of certification courses in neuro-linguistic programming, I wanted to write a basic understanding of the book so the students could read the book before coming to class and go, oh, okay, I get a little bit of justification of what this information is about. Because when when you try to explain NLP to somebody, they like, what? What, what is that? It doesn't make sense. So true. True. most people really need an understanding of what it is. So that's that was my motivation in writing the book. The new book started out as a confidence book. And I was, I was literally calling it Mastering Unshakable Confidence because I, I believe that's the, the crux of everybody's issue is self-worth problems. We all have self-worth issues that we feel that we can't achieve something, we can't have something, we can't do something. It comes down to our self-worth. And then in the course of <laughs> the course in the last year of writing that book, mm -hmm. I really understood that 
it wasn't so much a confidence issue. It was mastering emotions because when you master your emotions, you can choose any emotion, not just confidence. You could choose motivation. You could choose empowerment. You could choose calm and focused, whatever that is for you, right? So I, I relegated leaving that old book behind for the last year and thinking the new book, Controlling Your Emotions, Master Your Life, is fit for more people. And it would yes. work better as a tool to help people really achieve what they want. As we were talking about before, is understanding what you want is just the first issue, is then getting out of your own way. If you learn to control that emotion, whatever that emotion is, or emotions, controlling your path, controlling your direction, controlling your motivation, if you can change that emotion, that negative emotion, then having both those are the key to what it is that you want. So the book itself is gonna be relatively simple. I'm gonna be teaching people in the book how the brain works, as we were just talking about before. Because I believe that once you have an understanding of what the brain is doing, then the tools that you bring in, oh, now I understand why I need that tool and how that tool is gonna be more effective, right? It's no different than if I gave you a hammer and you looked at this hammer and you said, I have no idea what this is for. I, I don't know what it is. But if you understand that it's to build a house and how to build the house, then you go, ah, now the tool fits the operation. Yes. It fits the process. And so a lot of what I do in, in how I teach and, and how I write is really to give people the platform of taking, because the tool's irrelevant. The tool is, the doesn't make any sense if you don't know how to use it. And so I like giving people the understanding of why they need this, how they need this. And so the first half of the book is really going to be understanding how you developed those negative beliefs, right? How people <laughs> have developed these childhood negative beliefs that have come up now in adulthood, <laughs> right? What was that? What was that? You went, oh. Because <clears throat> I have been reading a lot in psychology, right? And... The thing that I've noticed is that my own preconceived biases and ideas and notions that I am not even aware of mm -hmm. are deeply rooted into yeah. my childhood experiences for better or for worse. Yeah. And because I learned this and I started questioning my beliefs and my actions and my desires, I'm like, whoa, where is this coming from? So when you mention this, I know it's going to be a good read. It's yeah. actually going to be brilliant because once they understand that question, everything that comes from my mind, is it for good or is it for bad? And where is it coming from? Yeah. Yeah. And then I can use that and channel or even influence or productize or systemize, strategize even my own future. And like you said, success is subjective. For a yeah. single man, it might be business. For a single woman, it might be marriage. For a family man, it might be happy family, happy wife, etc. Yep. Once you can define those two things and you have an idea, a process, an understanding of how to apply the knowledge that you have to get there, wow, it's it's going to be beautiful. Yeah. Let, let me give you, you, you just hit the nail on the head. You said it so perfectly. Let me give you the reason why this happens. When the brain is forming, in early, early, early childhood from 
the time we're born, I would probably even say the time we're conceived, it, 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 it becomes a blank hard drive when we're growing up, up until eight years old. Some say 10, I say eight. In those first eight years of life, the brain is a blank hard drive. Yes. And it is consuming information. Yes. It's learning how to talk, learning how to walk, learning how to eat, learning boundaries, mental and physical boundaries. What facial the expressions un- mean. Yes. The unfortunate thing is that everything at the unconscious level is taken literally and personally at that point. And there is no discretion in the word why. So if your parents say, or your primary caretakers, whoever you were raised by, some people were raised by their grandparents or one parent or in a foster home, those become your primary caretakers up until you're eight years old. And they are downloading all their beliefs onto your little hard drive. Ah, yes. Right? So if your parents say something, I'll, I'll give you a perfect example. If your parents said to you, oh, every December 25th, this little fat man comes down the chimney with presents. You're like, oh my gosh, really? And then the next morning, you open your eyes and under this tree or under the fireplace... Or these mm-hmm. free presents that were just left by Santa Claus. Santa Claus. Right? That's a perfect mm-hmm. belief that was formed by your primary caretakers. And so mm-hmm. up until eight or ten years old, you believe this. Yes. No different than if they download negative beliefs in your head. Like, I, we could go through this forever. How many negative beliefs do you have in your head about who you were and who you are? Right, my, I remember this growing up. I was eight years old. I don't even remember what I was doing. And my father said to me, you're so damn lazy. Now, he probably didn't mean it. I was eight years old. <laughs> But I remember that. And what happens is we believe that for the rest of our lives until that belief gets changed. Right? I mean, you could probably give me some beliefs like that as well that you learned that didn't serve you. But but you understood it and you operated, you behaved from that negative belief. So up until eight or ten years old, the brain doesn't have the capacity to understand the word why. Like, I, I couldn't ask my father, why? Why do you think I'm lazy? <laughs> right? Or if you were believing in Santa Claus... Wait a minute, Mom. Hold on. You're telling me this big fat man fits down this little hole in the chimney? How's that possible? And he delivers gifts all over the world? We don't understand the process of why at that point. We believe everything. And so all these beliefs, negative or positive, are accumulated in the unconscious mental bank where we store all this information. And ni- again, 90% of it comes from the unconscious mind. Does it work? That's the simple question, as you were just saying. Does it work for us? Does it help us or hinder us? And the unfortunate thing is a lot of people a lot of people don't understand that there's programs out there. There's help out there. 
There's ways that you can turn those negative beliefs into positive thinking. I can give you some examples of how to do that. You want, you want a couple of different exercises? Yes, please, please. I'll give, I'll give you a really fun one. This one's really fun, and it's really... I'll give you two of them. The first one's real powerful. As you were mentioning before, that mm-hmm. the emotions control our decisions, then when we're in a negative state of mind, if we can change that emotion, we can make a better decision. Wouldn't you believe that? I agree with that. So here's here's how to do it. And again, I come back to, as I was saying before, I was interested in the how, the process of how we can do these things because that's really the magic in it all. So the first thing is when you're in a negative state, uh, you have to become aware of it. You have to know that you're in a negative state and not just operate from it. So. The question then is for your listeners is, ask yourself this, what am I feeling right now? Is it helping me or is it hindering me? Is it powerful? Once you ask that question, it stops the process. You stop the process in the moment. Then what you want to do is you got to get that negative feeling. You got to get that negative emotion or whatever it is. It could be depression. It could be anxiety. It could be just angst. It could be just frustration, whatever that is for you sadness you got to get that feeling out of your body you got to get it out of your body you can't think when you're in a negative state it doesn't work as we just alluded to that before so what you want to do is first thing is ask yourself how am i feeling is this is this a good feeling or is it a bad feeling is this helping me now that takes that long to think about that then the next thing is stand up or, or throw your shoulders back, chin up, take a deep breath, let it out really slow. You can do that three times. Sometimes it works the first time. It gives you a chance to get that negative feeling out of your body just for a moment, just for a moment, just for a moment. Maybe do it twice, maybe three times. It's almost like a a 10 second form of meditation, right? Just to clear the screen of the mind. In that moment, in that moment, when you're clearing the screen of your mind, here's the important factor. You're going to ask yourself this question because questions are powerful. The unconscious mind loves you and it wants to protect and care for you. So when you ask a question, it gives you the answer. So here's how this process works. Shoulders back, chin up, take a deep breath and ask yourself, what do I want instead? What do I want instead? Immediately, the answer came to me. And what was it? It has to do with relationships. Yes. You see, the challenge is most people ask such bad questions of themselves The unconscious mind, because it loves you, wants to give you that answer. So when you ask a question like, why am I so fat? Why am I so broke? Why can't I do this? Why why doesn't my relationships ever work out for me? Well, the unconscious mind loves you and goes, you're broke because you don't work enough to produce the income you want. Or you're fat because you eat like crap. You're fat because you don't take care of your body. You're fat because you don't exercise. 
You're fat because you don't love your body. Your relationships fail because you're not, you're, you're not a giving That's person. A jerk. There you go. So when you ask a, an empowering question, like, what do I want instead? The brain goes, well, I'd rather feel instead of anxiety, I'd rather feel calm and focused. And then the brain will give you the answer to be calm and focused. A point before you continue. I'm hearing you say something important, but I want you to stress on the importance of being willing to get the right answer and also being willing to hold yourself accountable to what you're doing wrong. So we are in a fickle age, so fickle, that I cannot look at someone who is plus size and say they're fat. And the reason is because, oh, body shame, but come on, it's not healthy to be overweight. So why can't I, as a fat person, look at myself and say, you know what? If I want to make it to 60, this is probably not the best way to go about it. Yeah, what can absolutely. I do to make things better? So that's yeah, that's, important. That's, 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 the, that's the question, isn't it? Right? Because yeah. you could say the same thing about relationships. God, none of my relationships work out, but it's always their fault. <laughs> it's never my fault. It's always their fault. And you're the common or, factor in all of them. Right. Or, or, or about making money. Oh, I don't need that much money. I'm, I'm happy being living under the poverty line. Well, okay, that's not realistic. It's the same with being overweight. You could be happy. You could be happy being overweight. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with being 10, 20, 50, 100 pounds overweight if you're happy. Mm-hmm. But as you were just saying, is it healthy? Well, probably not. Right. And you see, and so, it comes, sorry to cut you off, but it comes yeah. back down to what Dr. Jordan Peterson says. It's not about being happy. It's about meaningful. Being 100 pounds overweight, you could be happy, but it's not meaningful because your grandkids want to know you if you, in case you don't realize it. And that's not the way to go about it. What's meaningful? And you know the most important and most powerful thing that I think we do need to stress at this stage, given everything that we've talked about? If you, where you are, are willing to do exactly what's been outlined here and position yourself for success, you know, hold yourself accountable, ask yourself the right questions, take charge of your emotions, it can be done. You know why? It takes the exact amount of energy to be negative and backward thinking. That same amount of energy it takes to be forward thinking and successful. Yeah. Choose. Yeah. Exactly. And, 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 and there's the conundrum in that is that most people are focused mm-hmm. on what's not working. Yes. And if you're focused on what's not working, you're going to continually produce those outcomes, those results, things that aren't working. And so at yes. some point, you have to take inventory of your mental capacity and ask yourself the question, is this really what I want? And be honest with yourself. Right. Because a lot of I believe because I was a fitness trainer for 20 years, many years ago, and I worked with a lot of people that were unfit, out of shape, overweight. And some of them would say, no, I'm I'm happy being this way. Well, are you really or are you trying to convince yourself that you want to be because you're too lazy? That's probably a negative word. Probably don't want to work hard enough to get to where you truly want to be. I think the same thing holds true with relationships. Oh, I'm happy being alone. I'm happy being single. Well, are you? <laughs> if you are, that's great because I believe everybody should be able to be alone first with themselves and understand that 
There's nothing wrong with being alone. There's a difference between being lonely and being alone. And you want to be able to be alone with yourself and satisfied with who you are before you can move into a healthy relationship. The same thing with finances and the same thing with fitness. You have to, do you, as you were saying, take do yourself you have more than, for that. Do you have more than an hour? Because there's a question I want to ask and it's perhaps going to take you a bit oh, of time yeah, to really yeah, just go ahead. On. Yeah, that's okay. You, Please. All right. Here's the question. We mentioned how your childhood, childhood experiences shape the subconscious, the unconscious. The unconscious influences 90% of your perception and your output, which if you're influencing 90% of your life, that's that's perhaps the whole damn life if you look at it. That's, that's everything. Ex- there we go. I have experienced that the so negative and positive experiences that I've had before the age of eight, the things that I was told, so like, it might be bad. Oh, you're worthless. You're never going to make out anything. I wasn't told that, by the way, guys. Right, I wasn't told right. that. Or the positive, <laughs> you're a brilliant child. I love how hard you work. You're going to be such a success. I've noticed that these things that we're told before the age of eight, they influence not only who we are, but who we try to be. Because in a way, we as adults, we're trying to fit into who we believe we should be. So we didn't come from a rich family. If we haven't decided that we're going to be rich, we're going to say, all right, my family has not been rich. I didn't have that gold spoon in my mouth. I didn't have a rich dad. So it's perfectly fine for me not to be rich. Or if you come from a family where it's divorced and broken home, oh, this is what I'm used to. So you almost start to sabotage the relationship just so you can continue in what you think should be right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny that you say that that way. Again, I I keep coming back to how, the process of how. Because everything that we read and that we, we, I guess, input into the brain is just conjecture. It's just information. It doesn't mean anything. Right? You could tell me everything that you believe, and if I don't believe it, then it has no meaning to me. The challenge with what the brain does is you were just saying this, and I just love the way that you said that. As a child, when we accept those beliefs, whether they're bad or good, negative or positive, successful or failure, it doesn't matter. What the brain does at that point is it then looks to the environment to satisfy those beliefs. In NLP, we call it an evidence procedure. We're looking for evidence to support that belief. Yes. So I'll give you an example. If you were told, and I know, I know a woman that her mom had said this to her before, you don't need a man. <laughs> And I'm like, wow, that's kind of a sad statement to say. And so all of her relationships failed because she knew that she didn't need somebody, a man in her life, right? So if you have that belief, then what you do is you look to every relationship you have as evidence to support mom's belief. Oh, see, that relationship I had last time with that man, it didn't work. So mom was right. The same holds true with money. The same holds true with money. And if you, if you grew up 
in a childhood where your parents said money doesn't grow on trees, which is a cliche, or we can't afford it, right? Yes. Every time you go to buy something or want to buy something or purchase something for yourself that's quality, you go, oh, I can't afford that. That's yeah. evidence to support that negative belief. And you'll never that's afford it. That's all it is. Mm -hmm. You'll never afford it. You know, no different in, with your health, right? I'm using relationships, money, and health for all three of these. You know, if you say, wow, that, 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 that man has a beautiful body. I mean, because I was a fitness trainer and I worked with a lot of professional athletes, I love to see a beautiful body. You know, you see a guy that's just been working out and he's just shaped and he's, he, you can tell he takes care of himself. If I said to myself, oh, I'll never have that. I'll never be in shape like that. Uh, th that's evidence to support my negative belief. And mm -hmm. that's unfortunately what we do. <clears throat> and Jabez, here's the, here's the sad part. Yes. We don't even know we're doing it. We don't even understand that we're, we're, it's so unconscious. Exactly. It's all unconscious. That 90% is running our brain going, oh, that's, that's, that'll never work for me. I'll never have money. I'll never be able to afford it. I'll never have that relationship. And you don't even understand that you're doing it until after it's over, until the, as in, like in a computer program, until after the program is finished, yes. after it's done. On the other side of it, we can look back and go, oh my gosh, what, what just happened, right? As you were just saying, you said it so eloquently, until we recognize whether that's working or not, we understand what we're doing, you can't change it. You have to have an awareness of it not producing the results you want. And that's one of the things I was we were saying before in that exercise, you have to be aware of the negative feeling in your body. You have to go, whoa, not, ugh, I don't like this. Yes. And then as you were saying, I wanna change it. Yes. And then what's the tool? Throw your shoulders back, chin up, deep breath, and ask yourself, what do I want instead? Right. I love that. I love that. I stumbled <laughs> on the shoulders back, chin up, deep breath exercise in a different way. I was going through a very, very extremely stressful and uncomfortable time. And there was this environment that I would visit. It's like I had to visit it. I thought I had to, but when I visited, my stress right. levels would peak. I would start to almost hyperventilate yep. and everything. And what I found happen oh well what helped in the situation because that was happening regardless of if i wanted or not what helped right is right i would sit like this so i sit straight i would put my hands like this and stretch them out and i would close my eyes and take deep breaths so count to five inhaling hold to seven and then exhale to 12 and in those 12 seconds i would try to get as much thought to my mind and that i'd like visualize everything negative that's happening not happening and then i'll come to a place where i could see very clearly who i would want to be such that the situation would not affect me and i do that for three or five times and i'll be good i do that for 10 minutes and i'm calm for the entire day no matter if i'm in the environment or not so that all started with the mind yet again because remember i wasn't taken from the environment the situation did not change in the environment the only thing that changed was myself how powerful is it that we can remember that all the change that we need to make our lives better start with us? Yes, yes. In one of the in neurolinguistic programming, we have what we call fourteen presuppositions or fourteen pre assumed beliefs, you could say. And one of them is is what you just said. We have within us all the resources we need to succeed. Yes. We have to just look inside, right? We have the power within to do that. Let me give you 
Let me give you one more exercise, which this one exercise, which takes 20 seconds, literally changed my life. Literally changed my life. So powerful. So let me give you the background on it. Okay. If we go back to the beginning of our conversation and we talk about the quality of life and whatever that means to your listeners, success, quality of life, whatever that means to you, the only way, and I believe the only way you're going to achieve it, if you truly love and like yourself, if you like yourself and you love yourself, you're not going to do things that are harmful. Just as if we were best friends and you were doing something and you were talking to yourself and you were saying, God, I'm so stupid. I said, you better stop that. Yeah, Don't no. say that. You're That's amazing. I, I love you. You're an amazing, wonderful human being. And yes. the thought is, why would you talk to yourself like that if you would never talk to somebody else like that? Perfect. Right? So once we, once we believe in ourselves, we love and like ourselves, we can accomplish anything. I believe that's the foundation of everything we do. I truly believe that. If we love and like ourselves, we'll attempt anything. Yeah, go ahead. Mm -hmm. Just a point before you go into the we'll exercise. Do yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, rem I read the book last January from Dr. Kristen Neff about self-compassion. I don't remember mm -hmm. the full title, but it's about self-compassion. And the, the interesting thing that came out in that book is that one, well, I've realized that, wow, I did not love me. I needed to work on that. I was terrible at it. So I needed to work on that. I worked on it. Things got better. But I learned that a lot of times in loving ourselves, it goes back to our childhood. Our childhood traumas, we have to nurture the young child within us. So there we go. Please. That, that exact, that's it. That's, that, that's, that's the secret right there. That's the secret. <laughs> because if, Imagine if you if imagine if you could pick your parents, which in in the quantum field of physics, they say that we mm -hmm. our parents, we actually do pick our parents. Those are the parents that we picked ethereally b back before we were born. You know, mm -hmm. manifesting our life was we chose our parents, whether they're bad or good. We chose those parents to learn from now after we're born. Imagine if you could choose your parents at this stage in your life and what would they say to you right and how would how would they bring you up of course we we it would be different we'd make sure that they all would always say loving nice things and give us direction and, and help us focus on sure. the three most important things relationship money and health right and we'd have perfect parents but it doesn't work like that it doesn't work like that we're, we're given we're given the opportunity as you were saying before we're given the opportunity what are we going to do with it Right? That's the real secret. What do you do with it now? Though I believe the basis of all of that, if we had perfect parents, they would give us high self-esteem. We'd have wonderful self-esteem about who we are and self-worth. Because I can tell you this, I see clients, I do a lot of coaching. Every single person, and I mean every person, whether it be somebody wanting to do better in the stock market. I get people like that. I get entrepreneurs. I get individuals that want to lose weight. I get people that want to have better relationships. It doesn't matter. Every single one of them, when I start peeling away, as we were talking about before, when I start peeling away the layers of onion, the core, 
The center of who they are is a lack of self-worth. It's a lack of self-worth. Doesn't mean they don't have any, I'm gonna say lack, that's probably a, an extreme word. They have poor self-worth. Yes. So if we learn as human beings to build up our self-worth, mm-hmm. as we were talking about before, we can accomplish anything. We can leave the past behind. Those negative, the negative self-talk, like my dad saying, oh, you're so damn lazy. I don't believe that anymore. I've overcome that because now I've learned to ask myself, what do I want instead? I want to work hard. And working hard is the opposite, the antithesis of being lazy. Being lazy. And so now I work hard to get the things that I want, right? So it's a matter of self-reflection as well. So the exercise I'm about to teach you is a simple 20, 30 second exercise that you can build up your self-worth. That'll teach you how to like and love yourself. And it's so easy. So before I give it to your listeners, I want you to understand something about this exercise. When you do it to yourself, it can be a little embarrassing. (laughs) But you can't take any of that stuff seriously. Because if you're embarrassed about your own success, then it's, it's not worthy. So here's the exercise. I learned this from the motivational speaker, Brian Tracy. Are you familiar with Brian Tracy? Oh, I love Brian Wonderful Tracy. Wonderful businessman. Oh, he's awesome. I love this exercise. I love this mm-hmm. exercise. I, as I said before, it literally changed my life. It, it takes repetition to do it. And it's real simple. It's a simple affirmation. We already understand this from the psychology world. Affirmations don't work. Because most people go like this, I want to be rich, I want to be rich, I want to be rich. I don't well, believe the, it the you say. 90% of your brain, exactly, exactly, the 90% is going, shut up, you don't believe that. Exactly. So, I, I want to be, I want to be healthy and fit. No, you don't, you know you're going to go eat those Twinkies in a moment. Or, <laughs> God, I'd love to be in a healthy, loving relationship. No, you, no you're not, you're going to go cheat on your spouse. That's not how that works. So the affirmation has to be couched in intense emotion. Desire. In intense emotion. So the words, the words of this affirmation linked with intense emotion will create a new neural pathway. And it will override the old negative belief. But you've got to say it with passion and power. And I would do this in the middle of a crowd, standing in the line at the bank, in the middle of nowhere. I didn't care who was listening, because this is about me. If you're embarrassed to do this, don't do this, because it's not going to work. You have to care about your well-being. Yes. And if you can do this, you do this a couple of times a day. I don't know how long it, t- for me, it took a couple of months to work. So when I say it instantly changed my life, it it instantly, in those couple of months, but a couple of months is instant in your life, right? So here it is. You ready? Yes. The words, you're going to say this three times. I like myself. I like myself. I like myself. So here's how you do it. So here's how you do it. You ready? Okay. Yes. Your listeners, if they're watching or listening, here's how you do this. Stand up straight, put yourself in a good state of mind, right? 
Take a deep breath, shake all that negative crap off, put yourself, clear your mind, clear your mind, clear your mind. You say it with power. I like myself. 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 Yes, you say it with conviction and belief and intensity and power. If you don't say it with conviction and belief, won't work. So don't do it, don't do it. If you're in a negative yucky state and you feel like bleh, cause it's not gonna uh, come out powerful. You can use the first exercise to clear your mind, take a deep breath, ask yourself, what do I want instead? I, I'd just like to feel calm and relaxed and focused right now. Good, put yourself in that state of mind and then do the I like myself exercise. I like myself. I like myself. I like myself. And believe it. You do this a couple of times a day. Jabez, I honestly, I didn't believe when Brian, when Brian Tracy was telling me this in this audio program, I'm like, that's stupid. (laughs) That's a dumb exercise. Yeah. The more I did it, and the more I believed it was going to work, And the more I believed that I liked myself, the more powerful I became. It can take somebody from the low depths of anxiety and low self-esteem to the heights of power. Because again, I believe that everything that we do and accomplish comes from a healthy self-worth. Something I realized while I repeated, commandingly mind you, I commandingly repeated that I like myself. (laughs) It was communication. Because we know that there are three parts to communication. There's an the actual thing that you say, but they're more importantly than that. Because that's like 10, yes. 15%. The other, the other Absolutely. like 85 or so percent is the tone in which you say it and your body language. Yep. And the body yep. language is, I like myself. And the tone like is fitting it. It's like, so it's like, not only the message is correct, but the body language and the tone fits. Yes. And if we know anything yes. about emotions is, yes. if you hold yourself down and you like that you're right. never going to feel right. confident but if you're right. not confident and you upright you dress nice you look them in the eye you sh- lean forward and shade the hand you feel like trash on the inside but your body language is saying confident strong capable you're going to start feeling different exactly and that's the whole point of that exercise is if you believe in it with conviction and intensity and power as you were saying eventually mm-hmm. that'll change literally reprogram right as we talked about nlp the programming part reprogram those negative beliefs that no longer serve us yes and this is a simple exercise like i said you can do this as many times a day as you want and here's the most important thing i found amazing results with parents teaching this to their kids Really? Imagine, as we were talking about before, if you taught that exercise to your child at two or three years old, five or six or seven or eight years old, how powerful they would be. Wow. I can see that. I can see that. Because now everything is coming from a perspective of positivity and I love myself. So that's been, that's the unconscious right there. That's filtering everything. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Very, very, very powerful exercise. This is amazing. I don't know if you guys understand what happened in the past hour and let's say 15, 20 minutes. Dr. John James Santangelo, correct? 
<laughs> there we go. He has showed us that we are where we are in life, not because life is set against us or we never had a lucky break like our neighbor. It's because we put ourselves there. And he didn't just tell us that. He didn't just show us that. He said to us that if you do this step-by-step process, you ask yourself how. You take control of your emotions. For 20 seconds each day, several times a day, you can change your life by just commandingly, emphatically telling yourself with all the emotions and strength and vigor that you can muster that, I like myself. If you can do that, then you can change your life because not only do you get clear on what you want, but you get out of your way because you stop negatively influencing yourself to failure. Because now you're not just sabotaging your chances of success by eating a Twinkie when you should be going to the gym or cheating on your spouse when you should be faithful or spending poorly and not saving and not budgeting when you should be taking better care of your finances. And mind you, he touched on relationships, health, and finances because those are the three big motivating factors of every human. We lean to one more than the other for everyone, but those are the three big motivators. If you can get those three under control, which he has given us plenty of examples, you can change your life. This is powerful. The only question that we, myself and Dr. John himself, would like to ask you is do you like yourself enough to change your life for the better that's all it takes you don't have to get a new job right away you don't have to start going to the gym right away you just have to decide that you like yourself enough to change and a change can come yep exactly i'd like to give your listeners something um, something for free if you go to my website there's yes an email autoresponder which will give them a lesson, seven lessons in 14 days. So every other day, you'll receive a new lesson to learn. And some of them, the first lesson is about awareness, as we were talking about, because I believe awareness is so powerful, right? You have to know that what you're doing isn't working and want to change it. And one of the lessons is about language and and changing three simple words in your vocabulary, the word but, the word try, and the word mm-hmm. problem. Those are three hindering words. And if you go to the website, lanlp.com forward slash free, F-R-E-E, yeah. and yeah. sign up for the seven-day mini course, you're going to learn some real powerful tools. And I think that, as you were just saying, if you learn to control your emotional states by becoming aware of what it is that you want, then the world is your oyster there's nothing stopping your oyster. we i'm gonna be the first to get there because even before the episode goes live i've got to sign up i'm sorry guys the link will be on screen in what's called a lower third so it's going to be somewhere here it's going to be in the description if you're watching on youtube if you're listening the podcast online in the show notes you will also have the link and if you have any trouble um, getting that link, what we will do is just ask you to go to our website. It's very easy to find Zelhan or just comment down below wherever you're listening. Please send me the link and we'll be sure to get it to you in the next 12 hours. Because, Aaron, you know, the reason why I started the Boardroom Podcast on Zelhan is because I realized that in order to help people, 
lot of times they just don't know what to do and what not to do yeah, to be successful. Absolutely. And this spans more than entrepreneurship. Now that we have such valuable information and resources, how can we not want to get it in front of as many people as possible? So guys, visit the website, take the training. It is free. You have nothing to lose and everything to gain. Dr. John, thank you so much for today. You yes, have been- thank you. No, thank you. You know what? It's people like you that are out there making the world a better place. Truly. I mean, it, this is this is what changes the vibration of the, of the energy in the world, right? And we need yes. it right now. We definitely need it right now. Thank you, buddy. You do. Thank you so much. This has been wonderful. The books that you mentioned after the episode as um, if the recording has been finished, what I'm going to do is I'm going to reach out to you. I'm just going to verify all the links to your books. I'm going to be picking up books myself and I'm going to be reading. We're going to have the books linked in the description below. I'm pretty sure if they go to your website, they can find links on your website to Amazon of how they can get your book. Something that I would love to talk to you about just before we finish. There is, there are, before we get to is, there are many books out there on psychology, behavioral therapy, and the like. We can talk about Atomic Habits. We can talk about Jordan Peterson. We can talk about um, Dr. Roberto Chialdini. So many people have written books. I want to see your book out there as a New York Times bestseller the moment it is ready. What are your plans to get it out, really? Well, we because I've done a lot of writing already, and one of the main staples is to really use Amazon as a marketing tool. And so we, we advertise on Amazon. I do a lot of podcasts, a lot of radio interviews to get the word out there about the books. Obviously, my own personal marketing, you know, talking to friends, giving books out. Um, yes. it, uh, obviously, I'm going to give you copies of the book for free. Uh, I'll give you some digital copies of the book. I don't want you to go buying them so that people can really understand what's in the book. Sometimes, you know, the motivation's not there to buy the book, but if it's sometimes it's given to you, you people are more apt to read it and go, wow, this is really great. And then they tend to tell their family and friends and obviously word of mouth and referral is probably the best way to get books out there. Most of the successful people like those books you were mentioning are mostly word of mouth, right? The yes. book's good. The book's sure. got to be good first, <laughs> right? And it's got to, it's got to motivate people. It's got to move people emotionally. Yeah. And yes. that's really the key to, to, to any success. I believe. I am um, just a few pointers. So I'm, into marketing yeah. so a book that i'd like you to read before your book goes live is ryan holiday's growth hacker marketing so in that book it's going to outline a step-by-step process by which you can write a new york times bestseller the new york times okay. best-selling title is best selling it's not best written so it's how well you can sell your book right so perhaps talking to someone in sales would be good along with reading growth hacker marketing yeah. and um Something that I'd like you to also consider is as yeah. you read Ram, Ryan Holiday's book, as you look into the sales perspective, because it's all about sales, you just need to hit a certain number of sales goals. Sales yeah, numbers, yeah, yeah. Certain, yeah. There's also um, one other book that I wanted to read Malcolm Glad- Gladwell. Um, oh, I love it. Yeah, lo- you love yep. Malcolm Gladwell. I know he's of Jamaican descent. So, 
Is he really? Yes, he is. Wow. I think his grandfather is Jamaican. He's even been here running marathons and they're like, he's such a cool guy. Love to have him on, actually. Wow. Um, The book that Malcolm Gladwell wrote is one on being going viral. Like, how ideas go viral. I don't remember the first part. It's not... It's influencers, is it, guys? We can look it up on Google and we can get it right. But Malcolm Gladwell, Gladwell's book is really good. Ryan Holiday's book is really good as well. I'll send you links to those so books. His name, is, his name is... Oh, okay, good. His name is Ryan Holiday? Ryan Holiday, yes. Right. Uh, okay, yeah. I'm texting it to myself so I, I remember. <laughs> I want to look it up. Perfect. And I'll send you in a message after as well. Because I'll just yeah, send you the link great. to the book yeah. on Amazon. Yeah. So those are yeah. there are those two books. And the idea here is that, as you say, word of mouth, right? So when you have a good idea, which is the book, you're going to have those early adopters of people who love to read books like this. That's where people like me come in. And I'm going to read right. the book and I'm going to say, oh, wow, this book is awesome. And yeah. I'm going to sneeze it, as uh, Seth Godin would say. I'm going to tell it to my friends. And as, my, as I tell it to my friends, so I'm one person, I've read it, I tell it to three friends. Two of my three friends tell it to three more friends. Two of those two, three, six, <laughs> tell it to three more friends and so yep. on. It becomes viral. And yep. then after that, we have the late adapters, the guys who are really not into this stuff, but the book is good. So they like right, reading New York Times bestsellers and they read it and so on. So we can keep in touch. We can get the book out there. And I am super excited, ecstatic and extremely thankful for a wonderful time today. How did you enjoy today's episode? I'm pleasantly surprised and i'm overwhelmed at the knowledge that you have in the the formula of success you you've done a lot of homework you're obviously well versed and and well read it's it's a blessing it really is talking to somebody like you i love it as a gift would you like me to tell you why i got this way yeah please so there are two things. The first is that I was born to a poor family and my mother, um, she struggled to make ends meet. And in the end, life didn't treat her as well as we would have liked. So before I could repay her for all the work that she's done, she's given for me and what she's done for me, um, she passed off cancer in 2019, oh, September sorry. 8th. It's been four years, actually. Oh, so there's yeah. that. It is. It's sad, but then, you know, opportunity lies on the other side of misfortune. So instead of working to help my mom, which would have been easy, just a nice job is okay. I want to make an impact on those in the world like myself who just wanted someone to believe in them, which is what my mother gave me. So, you know, I want to do that for them. And the other part that got me so deeply into psychology is because, you know, rough childhood growing up, I was engaged and my engagement failed. And I wanted to know why and how I can <laughs> avoid that. So I delved into psychology like a madman. I read the books that I could get my hands on. I implemented the changes that I could implement. And just this morning, as we we're recording this video, I said to myself, you know what? Life is short. We're here for a good time, not a long time. I am not going to live my life in fear of failure of anything, not in business, not in relationships. So I'm going to get out there. I'm going to start dating again. And I'm going to make my business the most amazing and successful business that I can. I decided that yeah. just before we got into this episode. Good. So that's the motivation, really. 
this has been y- you wonderful. know one of the things you know one of the things Napoleon Hill said in his book and I'm gonna piggyback on that idea he said yes. all those successful men mm-hmm. had a wonderful woman behind them true that is so true so there that you is go. true that that's the next step that's the next step in your evolution so instead of focusing primarily on business I should implement the relationship aspect a little bit more is what you're saying yeah yeah, balance, 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 right? And then there's the health as well, what, because what, without good health, you can't do either for. Well, you you already look healthy. You look like you take good care of yourself, and your your mama raised a good boy. I could I could tell uh, you're a good so man. Much. You're a good Thank man. She so was a, she was an amazing woman. I know it because I can tell by who you are. You come from good stock. Ah, uh, thank you so much. What an honor. I am humbled, as I would put it. <laughs> the final question, which is a tradition on our show, is given that you've had such a good time, I'm certain that the guests, the audience, have had a wonderful time. Who is one guest that you would like to see on the podcast in the future? Oh, wow. You know who has been inspiring me lately by his story? One of the most famous books out there recently is The Four Hour Work Week, Tim Ferriss. Tim Ferriss. Yes. I, I yes. love I love the I love the concept of his book. Most people don't really understand what it is. They think it's just working four hours and you're you're successful, and that's not it. It's putting your effort, the quality of effort, into those four hours that you're working. And then utilizing mm-hmm virtual assistants or other people to do the work that you can't you can't be everything to everyone all at once so i love the premise of his work he's got the four-hour body he's got the four-hour work week he just came out with another one recently so that would be interesting Mm -hmm. yeah and um, and also he's also teaching just what we discussed there because he's saying that hey you don't have to work 40 hours a week and get yourself in college debt and all of that you can actually do it in four hours and what you do doesn't right. define who you are, which is beautiful. Challenging conventional wisdom. Let us have yeah. Tim Ferriss on in the future. And something I don't like yes. to postulate, I love talking with you. As the podcast grows, I would love to have you and four other gentlemen on for a panel discussion. I would like to have you. I would like to have my counselor, Dr. Lester Shields. I would like to have Simon Sinek. I'd like to have Jordan Peterson. Oh Four God. brilliant men accomplished in the field of psychology and self-help. Self-help. Wow. wow. Just discussing I, 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 how... I'd be honored. I'd be honored. That'd be amazing. Let's ma- let's manifest that. Let's make that happen. Let's manifest that and make that happen. Thank you so much, Dr. John James Santangelo. Santangelo! Santangelo! For a wonderful time. <laughs> <laughs> for a wonderful Thank time today. We will keep in touch. And take care, all right? Thanks, buddy. Cheers.